I find that in our culture or our day-to-day, that word, that title, is an interesting one. Jesus is Lord. It's a phrase you've heard, you hear people maybe in certain settings use it as an acclamation of praise and worship. Uh, You might hear someone use it in a prayer, but the reality is, is it's something that we wrestle with. Jesus is Lord. But I would have to suggest that to a great extent it actually is basically Christianity 101. It's where our faith and our relationship begins. And that is revealed to us in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, which says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus is Lord. (laughs) And I have to say, for the last several days, I've, I've been wrestling with this phrase. I mean, we don't like hardly anyone to be in authority of us. You know, our our children, they don't like to, you know, be in a sense lorded over by their parents. They don't even like when they know it's probably for their good. They don't like the idea that, you know, their parents are somewhat directing or controlling their behaviors. We don't like our government to hinder us. I had a conversation just last night with one of my neighbors saying when he retires in six years, he's moving either to New Hampshire or Texas. I said, why? He said, because they're the freest states in the union. He doesn't want government over him. We don't like the idea of of being controlled and, and directed by someone else or maybe something else. And so this idea of Jesus being Lord is one that we are uncomfortable with. Jesus his Lord just doesn't hold much meaning for us in our day. Sure, it's a, a phrase we certainly do say. We sing it. You know, we find it in the Scriptures. But is it one that we have fully taken to heart? Is it one that we have sought to understand and daily apply in our lives as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ? The fact is, I think many of us are disconnected from the fact that calling Jesus Lord means recognizing Him as the utmost authority in our lives. So there's that interesting phrase in our Gospel reading today where it says, so the Son of Man, or Jesus as some translations have it, is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now, Many would take this and just delve into this whole matter surrounding what the disciples were doing as they went through the grain fields, as they picked some of the heads of grain, and then the Pharisees come along and, and they kind of you know jump on them. Here they are, the ones in authority. What are you doing? You're breaking the Sabbath laws. And I find that interesting because there's only one law about the Sabbath but not for the Jews, because they took the laws of the Lord and they expanded them tenfold. Actually, even more than that. 
They had taken this and they were trying to go beyond the teaching of the law of the Lord. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And they'd put all these other kind of responsibilities and encumberments upon them. They'd missed the intent of what God had given His people. A gift. So I'd like to focus our attention upon this phrase, Jesus is Lord even of the Sabbath, in that He is this. He is Lord of everything. That's what He's trying to maybe help us at least today to understand. He's Lord of everything. Six days a week and even our Sabbath. He rules and He works through us even as cracked pots or clay vessels as Paul was writing to the Corinthian church. But He rules and He works over us completely. The Scriptures make it clear that He is over all. A couple of scriptures that draw my attention. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. It's interesting. You ever like the channel surf? And you stop on any of the religious stations and listen sometimes to some of those who are preaching? Or maybe you've had someone tell you, you know, you need to make Jesus Lord of your life. And, and I kind of laugh sometimes to myself when I hear that phrase because, you know, I know what they're getting at, but they're missing something. He's already Lord. <laughs> we don't make Him Lord. He is Lord. He's been Lord over all creation since His Father in heaven literally gave Him control and authority over all things. When he seated him at the right hand, he's Lord. He is there. He is ruling over all things. And then Acts 10.36. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Not just of the Jews, and not even just of us who would identify ourselves as disciples or followers of the Lord Jesus, but whether people realize it or not, He's Lord over them. He's over all. What we are called to do, my friends, is to recognize and agree that Jesus is Lord. The Bible calls this confessing. That which certainly involves more than just us speaking a few words and saying, yeah, he's, he's my Lord. It's taking it to heart. It's making it ours. And it's understanding the depth of its meaning. It's acknowledging that he is fully, this is fully who he is and his rule and his reign over us are complete. As Romans 10.9 says again, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And I hope you slow down enough just to hear, with that being read a second time, that this includes both elements. It is both confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart 
is not just an outward sign or of just words that have no real meaning. It is that of both the mouth and the heart to acknowledge Him and to call Him Lord. It here's the problem. We need to get out of the way and stop trying to be in control. And I say that because I think that's really what's behind our hesitation to want to acknowledge or recognize or even accept the definition of what it means for us to call Him Lord. We don't want to give up control. We want control of our lives until we are so far to the bottom that we finally realize that we never did really have control, but He's saying, give it to me now. Trust me now. We re need to realize that we're not the center of the universe, but Jesus Christ is, and therefore we should submit to His Lordship instead of trying to run our own lives. One author says, we don't really make Him Lord, we just yield to His Lordship. No matter what it may seem, it's times in our lives or in this world with the mess that maybe we're in or the mess that's going on in the world around us, we wonder, where are you? If you're Lord, why are you allowing this to happen? And we can do that on a personal level, but we can also do it on a, you know, a more global level beyond our own personal life. But ultimately... He is ruler, boss, king, the one who is in charge. And ultimately, everyone will recognize Him as Lord. As Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. What he's writing about is that return of Christ. What he's writing about is that day of judgment. What he is writing us about is to recognize that on that day when he raises the living and the dead, all will know him, those who believe and those who do not, and all will bow down and all will recognize him as Lord. But you and I, we have an advantage right now. And here's the advantage. We already know it. We already know who He is. We already understand His role. We understand His authority. So here's the problem. It's how we understand Him being Lord. We see the idea of Lord as being one who rules over, controls, hinders, and is only concerned with Himself. We want freedom. And so we'd rather not have anyone lord over us. But this Gospel reading, it helps us. It helps us to see that Jesus being Lord is more than a heavy-handed overseer. You see, when he said, they say here in this writing that Jesus is Lord even of the Sabbath, this is a gift it's a gift given to us in love. It's part of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Commandment, demanding, heavy-handed. Why can't I choose for myself? 
we see the commandments often coming from one who is authority over us as that which limits us, that which hinders us, that which takes away things that we think would be good for us. But He is a loving, merciful, compassionate, caring Father and God. He gave us the Sabbath out of love out of concern for us. Our God has given us the Sabbath. It is a gift of rest for the spirit, the body, the soul. It's not a have to, it's a get to, it's a need to. In love, He says to us, come to My presence. Come and find rest. Come be renewed. Come be loved. The command to observe the Sabbath is not some mean overlord's control. It is a gift from a loving God who knows what we need. So I started wrestling with why is it that we hesitate to give up any kind of time to the Lord? That seems to me where it shows up, this wrestling with allowing Him or getting out of the way of Him being Lord. And it's us wrestling and and struggling to let go of time. And so maybe our response to taking a Sabbath has to do with how we view time. The Greeks had two words for time. The first one is the one that we most know, which is chronos. That is where we get the word, you know, uh, chronicle or chronic from. It is, meaning is that of time that we have when we say, you know, time marches on. The other night I was uh, doing some work around the house and normally I'm listening to Christian radio station, but I don't know, I, I went to a, a 1980s station on Pandora And before I knew it, I had heard at least two songs that were talking about how you can't turn back the hands of time. No wonder you and I stay so busy. No wonder you and I seemingly make sure that we fill every single moment with as much as we can. That's the way that we often view time. But the second way that the Greeks use the word time is that, well, let me explain. I've got to back up because I skipped this and you're going to need to hear this. Kronos, by the way, was a minor god in the Greek pantheon. He was a nasty deity. He was a glutton and a cannibal who gorged himself on his own children. Great words, right? A glutton, a nasty deity, a cannibal. He was always consuming, never satisfied. Now that other word that I want to get to is that of kairos. This time is a gift. It is seen as an opportunity or as a season. It is time filled with purpose. In kairos time, you don't ask, what time is it? But instead, you ask, what is time for? It's different, isn't it? Not what time is it, like how much more time do I have? But what is this moment, what is this time 
for? My question for you is, which time do you live in? Chronos time that keeps marching on and devours? Or Kairos time that savors the moment? Here's the thing. True Sabbath teaches us to live in Kairos time. The moment. Recognizing and wondering what this time is for. I understand that the Chinese use um, uh, two two symbols to represent uh, the word busyness. And the two symbols are a heart and killing. Isn't that interesting? For Kronos time, they use the symbols of a heart and the symbol for killing. It's what we're often doing to ourselves. So busy. So filled with everything and our agendas and our plans that we're killing ourselves. My dear friends, losing the things you know are important is what happens when we end up living in that chronos time. And the cure for busyness is the gift of Sabbath rest. It is resting in the presence of Jesus. It is trusting Him to be Lord in love. He's given us this time of rest. I love that phrase from Psalm 23 of the Lord restoreth my soul. And I don't believe he's just talking about in eternity. He's talking about when we come humbly into his presence, humbly recognizing him to be our Lord and our shepherd who cares for us and restores us. Keeping the Sabbath my friends, is a rejection of chronos time and it is stepping into kairos time. Keeping the Sabbath is fasting from our busyness for one day. It is fasting from that which is killing us. It is reflecting upon what this time is for. It is recognizing That this God, who is Lord, not only directs our lives according to His will, but He gives us everything that we have and everything that we need. He gives us the gift of Sabbath as a weekly practice of stilling ourselves and taking rest, so that even in the rest of the week, we remember who we are, whose we are, and we are able to remember what is important. Yes. Jesus is Lord over all, even the Sabbath. Lord over all. How wonderful to rest in His presence. Amen.